0: Uh, Beginning of most remarkable and extraordinary week in human history. When God the Son came and ultimately what He had come for was being fulfilled to die on a cross and to rise again from the dead on our behalf. And so this morning we're going to talk about the cross. We're going to talk about the death of Jesus Christ Uh, Because even though oftentimes on Palm Sunday we talk about Hosanna and the praises and stuff, really it was all leading to the cross, to Calvary. Jesus knew that that's why he had come. Jesus understood that his mission was to take upon himself the sins of the world. My sin and your sin. We're going to take a look at the cross and the death of Jesus Christ and its uniqueness. uh, the the meaning behind the, the death of Jesus Christ. And so for some of us here this morning, this will be a review. Some of you guys know this information. Others perhaps here this morning don't know this. Some of this information might be new to you. It might be information that you've heard before, but you've never actually applied to your life. There were a lot of Jews in first century Palestine who were crucified. It was not an unusual occurrence. But there was only one Jew who rose from the dead after being crucified. So we're going to take a look at the cross. Jesus was not surprised by the cross, as I mentioned. Jesus knew that this was His mission, His purpose in coming to this world. In John chapter 10, He talks about this. He said, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. So Jesus understood why he was in Jerusalem on that Sunday morning as he was entering into the hosannas of the crowd. He understood that those hosannas would soon turn to shouts of crucify him. He understood the purpose of the cross and he knew that beyond the cross was the resurrection when he would take up his life again. So Jesus was not surprised by the cross. In fact, in Revelation chapter 13, it says that Jesus was the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. So it was always understood within the Trinity that this was the plan of salvation, He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. In fact, in Revelation chapter 5, well, let's just go there. It's it's an interesting passage in Revelation 5 because you think about Revelation, you think about Jesus uh, resurrected from the dead, you think about his glory, and this is maybe not the image that you would expect. John... Writes. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, that would be the Father, a scroll with writing on both sides, and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and to open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Now there's an image, as we read that, that you might expect of the resurrected Christ, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, who has triumphed. Powerful imagery. But then John looks, and this is what he sees. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. So John sees a lamb. And and, and the language there, where it says that it looks as though he had been slain, literally means looking as though it had been slaughtered. A lamb who had been led to the slaughter. Jesus still bearing the marks of the crucifixion here in glory, in the throne room of God, coming forth as the one who was worthy to take the scroll and to open it and to read it. So the crucifixion is a pretty powerful event in human history. In fact, I would suggest it is the significant event of course the crucifixion was the gateway to the resurrection and if the resurrection hadn't occurred uh, we would still be in our sins Paul said and the crucifixion it's, it's interesting because it's sort of like Gary w- was talking about with regards to tithing sometimes the things in the Bible just don't seem to make human sense we, we read through them and we think well that 's not how I would have done it, and yet it is how God has done it. and in First Corinthians uh, chapter one, Paul writes that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, and that's true. Stop and think about it for a second. The idea of a Jewish carpenter two thousand years ago dying on a cross in Jerusalem or just outside of Jerusalem, being the central event in human history. What? Not Neil Armstrong walking on the moon? You know, I mean there's there's so many significant events that have occurred throughout history. And yet God has centered the cross of Calvary as being the pre uh, primary event. In human history. For the message of cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believed. Jews demand signs, and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, a foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So the preaching of the cross to those who do not believe is foolishness. But to those of us who do believe and to those who are being saved, to those whose God's Spirit is working upon, who God is beginning to communicate with, the cross is what God directs them to. It's not anything else. It's the cross that God directs us to in the process of salvation. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Seven different aspects of the death of Jesus Christ that I think are important for for us to understand. The first aspect of the death of Jesus Christ is that it was substitutionary. In other words, the death of Jesus Christ occurred... Because he took the place of you and me. When he was upon that cross, he was not there because he had done anything that deserved death. Jesus said, which of you convinces me of sin? He was not a sinner in any way. And yet here he was upon a Roman cross. In Romans chapter 6, verse 6, it says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set from, free from sin. So Christ upon the cross took our place. Our old self was crucified with him. So it was substitutionary. Christ died in our stead. The cross of Christ, the death of Jesus, was also eternal. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 and 12, we read this. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands that is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that led to death so that we might serve the living God. So in the Old Testament, they would sprinkle the blood of bulls and goats on the mercy seat. The high priest once a year would do that for the sins of the people. But here it says that Christ took his own blood into a place, a tabernacle not made with human hands, eternal in the heavens and sprinkled his blood there. And so that blood covering of Jesus Christ there in the eternal tabernacle was sufficient so that there would not need to be any additional sacrifice. Because remember, each year, the high priest had to go in and to cover the mercy seat with the blood of bulls and goats in order to cover the sins of the people. The point here the writer of Hebrews is making is that the blood of Jesus was eternal with regards to covering and removing our sin. No other death could have possibly accomplished that because only the death of the Son of God could have been eternal in its scope. And only the blood of the Son of God could have gained access into that tabernacle not made with human hands. So the death of Jesus Christ was substitutionary. The death of Jesus Christ was eternal. In its scope. The death of Jesus Christ also was effective. Earlier in Hebrews chapter 2, we read that since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. So the death of Jesus Christ was effective in destroying the power of death. And the one who holds the power of death, the devil. Death, of course, is separation. We've talked about that before. Death, physically, is separation of the spirit from the body, the soul from the body, physically. Death, spiritually, is separation of our spirit from God. In the day that Adam sinned, he was separated spiritually from God. No longer did he have that fellowship with the Father that he once had. But Christ's death destroyed or destroyed the power of death and the one who held that power, the devil. So we don't need to fear death. In, in your pastor's desk this week, uh, you'll read, uh, we have the seventh word of the cross, commend, where Jesus commends his spirit to the Father. Jesus did not fear death. He knew that he was going to the Father. Death is not something that's, that Christians need to fear. Because Jesus has conquered the power of death. When we die, it is gain to us to live as Christ, Paul said, but to die is gain. And so the death of Jesus Christ was effective in destroying the power of Satan and the power of death. There in Revelation chapter one, Jesus holds the keys of death and of hell. And it says that he's alive forevermore. Never again to die. Never again to taste death. Never again to experience any kind of separation from the Father. Likewise, each one of us here this morning who are saved, who are born again of the Spirit, who have trusted in Jesus Christ, who have, by Jesus' death, experienced the forgiveness of sins, we too will never again taste spiritual death. We will never, ever be separated from the Father. Hallelujah. That's good news. Jesus' death was effective. Jesus' death also was an example to us. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. As Christ Jesus, or in other words, think in the same way that Jesus did. So, as we relate to one another, we are to think as Jesus thought. Who, and this is Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So, even though he was God, he did not use that position. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus' death was an example to us in how we are to interact with one another. We are to be servants towards one another. We are not to elevate ourselves above each other and think that we are somehow superior. We are to take the view that Jesus did. Even though he had absolute prerogative as God, he emptied himself, took the nature of servant, humbled himself to the point of death. Likewise, greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friend. And just imagine, just envision a church experience where everyone who comes to this building every one of us who gathers together on Sunday morning and throughout the week has this attitude in their mind and in their hearts. Can you imagine what an experience that would be like? Where we are constantly in service to one another, laying down our lives for the benefit of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Wow. That would be something. Jesus' death was an example to us. Jesus' death also reconciled us to the Father. Now, in biblical terms, reconciliation is talk about, talks about restoring something to where it formerly was. So when, when a relationship is reconciled, it is restored to the place that it formerly was. There, was a good relationship. There is something that happened that severed the relationship. A reconciliation occurs and the relationship is once again as it used to be. That's how we are with regards to God. Adam, and all of us are in Adam. Remember, we studied that in, in Romans, that all of us are either in Adam or in Christ. In Adam, at one point, we had fellowship with the Father. There was that relationship that humanity had with God as God intended it to be. But because of sin, the relationship was broken. We no longer had access into that fellowship. But God did not desire us to remain at enmity or in conflict with Him. And so He set in motion... The salvation of humanity through the cross of Jesus Christ. And we are, through the cross, reconciled to God the Father. It says in Colossians 119, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that is in Jesus Christ, and through him, through Jesus Christ, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth Or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So, through the cross, through the death of Jesus Christ, we are reconciled to God the Father. We have peace with him once again. We are in relationship, an eternal relationship once again with God the Father through the death of Jesus Christ. So, the death of Jesus Christ is reconciling. You're not an enemy of God any longer. You are a friend of God. You are adopted into his family as a son or a daughter. Further, we have, through the death of Jesus Christ, been redeemed. It says in 1 Peter, I think it's chapter 1, that we have been redeemed through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The redemption of humanity is, is, to me, one of the most important aspects of the whole salvation story, because it really represents our experience. In, in the Roman culture, in most cities, there was a place called the Agora, which was the marketplace, and that was the marketplace where they would buy and sell slaves, And as you went into the marketplace to purchase a slave, there were three different things that you could do. You could pay the redemption price for the slave, wherein you would then be the owner of the slave, and the slave would remain exactly that, a slave. He would be your slave, and that would be how it was. That was one type of redemption. There was a second type of redemption, where you could pay the redemption price, redeem the slave out of the slave market, and you could set them free. That was a higher price. Then there was a third type of redemption that occurred in the Agora, and that was the type of redemption where you would pay to redeem the slave out of the slave market, you would set them free, and in addition to that, you would adopt them as your own child. You would introduce them into your family, and they would become inheritors of everything that you possessed. That's the kind of redemption that we read about in the New Testament that God has done for us. Through the death of Jesus Christ, we have been redeemed. It says in Galatians chapter 4 that we have been adopted as sons and daughters, and we have been given the Spirit of God wherein we cry, Abba, Father. Dear Daddy, we have that intimate relationship with him because of the redemption of Jesus Christ. We've not just been purchased out of the slave market. We've not just been set free, but we have been redeemed into a familial relationship with God through Jesus Christ's death and through his shed blood. So the death of Jesus Christ was redeeming. And then ultimately, the death of Jesus Christ was final. There is no other death that we're looking forward to. No other sacrifice that needs to occur. It says in Romans chapter 6, verse 10, The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So he died once for all. There will be no more death. Now, it's interesting in Hebrews chapter 10, there's a passage of Scripture that, that speaks regarding this. It's in Hebrews 10, verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. There is no additional sacrifice, church, for sin. If we choose to continue sinning after we receive the knowledge of the truth, that, that is, that Jesus Christ died on a cross for my sin, and I say that's not good enough, that's not what I'm looking forward to. There is something else. The writer to Hebrews says there is no sacrifice for sins that remains. Jesus died once for all. So his death was final. There is no other death that we can look forward to, no other sacrifice that could be made that God would accept, no other blood that could be shed and sprinkled there in the eternal tabernacle of God. This is only the beginning. I mean, we are going to be, I believe, spending eternity examining what the sacrifice of Jesus Christ means. As we read about there in Revelation chapter 5, a lamb looking as though he were slaughtered. So the death of Jesus Christ was substitutionary, he died on our behalf, it was eternal, it will last forever. It was effective. It destroyed the power of death and the devil. It was an example to us of how we ought to live and interact with one another. It was reconciling. It restored us into relationship with God the Father. And it was redeeming because it was paid the price to bring us into the family of God. And it was final in that there is no other sacrifice that we can look forward to. And as I said earlier, and as we will be looking at next week, it's the gateway to the resurrection. Jesus said there in John chapter 12, that unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it can produce no fruit. And Jesus also said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So he was lifted up there on the cross. The focus of humanity with regards to salvation. It's upon a cross on a hill in ancient Judea. And if you look at that cross and you believe, just as the Israelites in the wilderness looked to the serpent on the cross, on the pole, and they believed they were healed and kept safe, from the bites of the snakes that had infiltrated their camp. Likewise, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, all men will be drawn unto me. If you look to the cross, the sin that you have committed has been paid for there. Do you ever wonder why the snake is on the cross there in the wilderness in Numbers 14? It's because the cross is Sin, that is where sin was dealt with. My sin and your sin. It's taken care of. It's paid for. And if we look upon that cross with faith and trust that God will remove from us every sin we've ever committed, we will be experiencing all of those benefits of His death that I just went through. So if you're here this morning and you have never Placed your trust in Christ. If you have never looked to the cross with faith and said, that's my sin up there. This morning's your morning. What a great season to come to faith in Christ. The Easter season where we look at the cross and, and the death of Jesus Christ. And next week we will celebrate the resurrection. New life. Eternal life. Abundant life. A life that doesn't fear death any longer. A life that is not controlled by sin. Or tossed about by every wind and wave that this world would have it tossed about by. Life in Jesus Christ is true life. So put your faith in Him and begin to experience this morning. That reality. Heavenly Father, thankful for the great blessing that is the cross of Jesus Christ, where our sin was dealt with, a sacrifice accepted, a propitiation, a payment for our sin in full, and we can have freedom joy, blessing, even in the midst of the storm that Dan was talking about, we can come to you and we can hear you say, peace, be still. Lord, I pray for each and every person here this morning who has heard my voice. If there are any this morning who your spirit is speaking to, Lord, I pray that you would convict them of sin and of righteousness and of judgment and bring them to faith in Jesus Christ during this Easter season. For the rest of us, Lord, who have trusted in your Son, I pray that we would begin to make full avail of the cross in our lives. and Just as Paul said there in Galatians chapter 6, that we would glory in the, the cross of Jesus Christ in our lives and the reality that his, it has created for us. Bless us, Father. Strengthen us and fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we are going to, I think, conclude with the hymn, What, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Okay, so go ahead and stand up. I think we'll be sharing it on the overhead. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Let's circle up and we will share worship and testimony. Hello, Kirsten. course, as you know, we are having an Easter cantata next Sunday. Uh, we've been getting samplings of it over the past few Sundays, and I, for one, am really looking forward to hearing it all put together. The choir's just going to rock our world. It's going to be amazing. So share, share that with folks that you know. Let them know that uh, Gunnison, as far as I'm aware, will be having its first Easter cantata for quite a while. In quite a while. Has there ever been an Easter cantata in Gunnison? Does anybody know? I think it's going to be amazing. So anyway, next Sunday, Easter Cantata, also Easter brunch. And, of course, we had the sign-up go through. So if if you are planning on coming, bring something to share. Uh, Chris. One thing is make sure your casserole is already cooked. We will only be heating. So not reheating stuff. We won't be cooking things. That's right. So bring a couple of fish, a few loaves, and we'll make sure it, it gets to everybody. Other testimonies, prayer request. Brett. Definitely, definitely, prayer for the family and friends, and for the community. Something like this in a community like ours just reverberates through, and so we just need the grace and the, the presence of God with us. Bob. Yes, we all need to lift, lift up our dear friend Jeff partner Lucas. He's going to give the service for the other man. So put in your prayers. Words come from God. Amen. Oh yes, Penny. I just want to say I can see all Okay. Yeah, Penny's have you still have another eye to go though, right? Okay. Okay, I can't see in the oh it's Sue. Okay. I see your silhouette, that's all. I have my mom and dad here from Nebraska visiting, so it's fun to have them. And Erica, my daughter, has completed her graduation requirements with Gold Academy. So Woohoo! <laughs> good job, Erica. Barry. Is there is a good Friday service, seven o'clock uh here on Friday night. Also Following the Good Friday service, uh, Sue has, again, set up the prayer vigil. Um, I didn't get a chance to look at Are we all filled up, Sue? I think we still have a couple spots on Saturday afternoon, kind of like 1.30 to 2.30, and then later, like 3.30 to 4.30. And that's about it. Just the uh, Sunday morning one. Oh, yeah, the real early Sunday morning one. Okay, so there's a few sign-ups that remain, so for those of you who are prayer warriors or just interested in spending some time in prayer, great opportunity to do it. So the prayer vigil will begin uh, right after the service, I think 8.30 is when the prayer vigil begins. Is that right, Sue? Right. Okay. Yeah, it's awesome time. Other testimonies, prayer requests, information to share. Yes, Gerald. them up in prayer. Okay, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the grace that you bestow upon us. And we pray for our community, for the family and friends of uh, the young man who who passed this week. Lord, we just ask for your strength and your grace upon them and and upon the community, upon those kids who will be coming back to school after spring break for healing. And uh, Lord, just use this to your glory, to your Uh, to your great power, and we pray for Jeff, who will be doing the service, that you would give him uh, a powerful anointing for that time, and for the other prayer requests and praise reports, and for just the opportunity, Lord, to celebrate new life in Christ this week, uh, we give thanks, and we lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Sing alleluia to the Lord. Sing alleluia to the Lord. Amen go in peace